Hey everyone, welcome to the Leadership Locker. My name is Rich Cardona and on this podcast, we dig through the lessons of today's most exceptional leaders to help you break through your barriers. If you're trying to progress your career, if you are trying to accelerate your entrepreneurial journey, which I know you all are, if you're looking to have a smoother transition out of the military because it is incredibly difficult, then you're in the right place. My guests and I are going to give you the tools and the resources to accelerate your curve, help you surge and just crush it. So here we go. We've been warming up for a little while now, but the first thing I would like is if you could just introduce yourself and tell us about where you are and what you do. I'm so glad to be here that we finally got a chance to meet. This is awesome. I'm a mom of two girls. I think that's probably my most important job. They're 11 and 15, and they're just the love of my life. Mm-hmm. I work as an SVP at a boutique design firm. Mm-hmm. I oversee client services and account management. So I basically manage people that manage clients that manage the business operations. I've been doing that for quite a while, and I love my clients and I love my team. It's really what I love the most about my job is the people aspect of it. I am also really passionate about talking about my personal story and my personal journey so that I can help other women specifically find value and find their voice. And that's what I've been focusing on for probably the past year or so, mm-hmm. becoming a lot more vocal about my own personal experiences over the past decade or so. Mm-hmm. I find that a lot of women are not comfortable, which is completely understandable. And I feel that by me sharing, it gives them a voice and it gives them sort of validation with some of the challenges that they're facing. And that's really what I hope to do as this year unfolds and sure. sort of as the future unfolds is trying to find a way to talk more about that and add value to other people's lives in that sort of venue. Perfect. I'm very happy that we're finally here as well. We met on LinkedIn and we have mutual connections and it's yeah. fantastic. And, and here we finally are. And I asked you here because, uh, as you know, the show or the series is called The Leadership Locker. And what I try to do is get the subject matter experts or leaders in, in certain industries and help give some of that value or some of that expertise to the military community that's transitioning or maybe already veterans who are kind of lost. And while I don't expect you to know exactly what that's like, I know you trust that I know what it's like. Mm -hmm. So let's start with this. We had a conversation before we met and we were interacting on LinkedIn about leadership and empathy and and all these types of things. And, And we kind of warmed up out in the lobby. But one thing is the impact that we desire to have. The impact we desire to have is tremendous because we just came from doing something that was a volunteer service. We were probably doing very important things. And we get into an organization and we're like, We want to just kill it. So how do we do that in a way that leaders, SVPs, C-level, are receptive to it and that we're not kind of being a black sheep? I think that there's this challenge, as we discussed a little bit, I think that there's this push towards people-focused leadership. I don't think we're there yet. I wish that we were closer to that point. I think that leaders need to be more empathetic, need to be more transparent, need to be better active listeners for their employees, to create a safe space for their employees to feel like they can talk 
openly and honestly and not separate their personal lives from their professional lives when they walk through the door of work. Um, sure. you, know, you might spend eight hours or 10 hours a day in the office, but your life is your life. There should not be a separation between the two. I think employees need to be able to be themselves. They need to be able to show up as their true selves at the office. Well, the thing is, that's the thing. We try and bury the veteran aspect a little bit mm -hmm. or wear it on our sleeve way too much. Yeah. So how do you find that common ground with being like, I have this experience to bring, but at the same time, not intimidating people or looking overbearing? Yeah, I think being honest with who you are is a great thing. It's the approach that I've always taken I try to be honest and transparent at all times. And as we've discussed before, people have come to me and said, you know, as a C-level woman, how do you feel that you can talk openly about being depressed, for instance, or about being abused without feeling that there's gonna be a stigma or a backlash or that it's like reputation suicide? I don't know any other way to be. I'm not overbearing. I do think that you have to find that line, like you said. But I think that you need to be true to who you are. I know that everyone says, oh, be true to who you are, be true. Yeah. But I think that there really is a truth to it. If you try to fake who you are and put on this show all the time, it's really difficult to sort of keep two lives, to sort of keep one life when you're home and then flip the switch and go to work and be someone completely different. People see through it. People are a lot more intuitive mm -hmm. than you think that they are. Mm -hmm. And that's from the employee side and the leadership side. Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of challenges over the last maybe six months or so, yeah. and I have people that report to me, just like I report into my management team. And I've been pretty honest with everybody about what's going on. I mean, not the minutia necessarily of the details. You share, with, you share what you feel that you can share. Sure. But I've been off. I mean, there's no way around it. I have been off. I haven't been myself. And if I wasn't forthcoming with that, people would know something was wrong. My interactions would be different with people. And then people would start to question it. They wouldn't understand maybe if I was a little foggy in a meeting or just your mannerisms, your facial expressions. I mean, everything changes when your mind is not right. Mm -hmm. So I think being honest about it is important. It doesn't mean you need to be militant. It doesn't mean that you mm -hmm. need to be overbearing, like you said. I just think you need to find a balance where you are honest. And if that means that you're finding someone that you can trust at work, yep. it doesn't have to be a manager. It could be a coworker to confide in and to share some of those things with. Mm -hmm. It could be a group of people. It depends on how large the company you're working sure. for is. I mean, I work for a fairly small company. Mm -hmm. If you work for a larger company, form a group. Find a group of people that you can confide in that maybe have similar experiences so that you can find people that share in that with you that you can bounce ideas off of. I don't think there's any harm in being open. I mean, it's always been my approach. I don't think there's so, any harm. Let me ask you this. As a leader, let's say it's Allison or Rich, and we are in a position where people work for us. I hate mm -hmm. saying that, but yeah. maybe with us, right? Mm -hmm. We have direct reports. Mm -hmm. You are going through your thing, and everything I know about you is, is about resiliency, is about courageousness, and that's why you were able to share. That's why you were able to allow yourself to be vulnerable so they wouldn't question you. Right. Now, let me give it to you from my perspective. If I'm a leader... And I've done the same thing, but there's also leaders out there who would be very reluctant because if they see you fogging in a meeting or if they see that you were late to work or if they see that you made a bad decision, they'll be like, well, Allison's going through her shit again mm -hmm. or Rich is going through whatever. Maybe he's thinking about whatever deployment he was on or whatever. So how do you work up to that place 
where you are able to confide the way you expect people to confide in you? I think there are certain leaders that are just never going to get it. And I think that is horribly unfortunate. And I would say if you work for a leader like that and you are facing challenges and that leader is not empathetic, they are not understanding, they don't create a safe space for you, that shouldn't be a place where you work. Mm -hmm. You can't change everybody. I would hope that's not the case. I mean, I would hope that you would find somebody in a leadership role at your company that has a level of empathy for you where they would sit you down and they would say, what are you going through? And they would be observant because a lot of people don't feel comfortable just coming out with their shit and yeah, saying, 100%. this is what I'm going through. I don't really know what to do about it, but you know, how can we face this challenge together? It's we. our... That's exactly... Sorry, yeah. that's like the key language yeah, is, is we. Like, how can we... like? Like, what can I do for you is fine, but like, what can we do? Now you and I are on the same side of the table and we're looking at the problem on the same whiteboard yeah. together. Yeah. So I love that language. So yeah. I just had to say it. But not everybody is going to be that way. There are a lot of companies who still see employees as walking dollar signs. Mm. It's just the way that it is. And if you are facing struggles at home, struggles with relationships, financial issues, mental issues, whatever your challenges are, and you work for a leadership team that is not respectful of that, I would say you might have to find another company. I mean, it's unfortunate, mm -hmm. but I would say do the best that you can to try to work with them to be as honest as you can. But if you're not getting anywhere and they are really looking at you like it's a negative and they're putting that stigma on you, it really might be a lost cause. I understand you know? and I, I don't disagree. Yeah, so. and that really is unfortunate. I would like to say that you should be able to find somebody in a leadership role, even if it's outside of your direct supervisor, mm -hmm. that you should be able to confide in. It's possible. So let's say Nick is a retired Army veteran. He comes in and he's actually, everything's great. Everything's great. Leadership is great. He's having a good time. You talk a lot about impact. What are ways that you've seen, whether it be examples of you or some of the best people that you've worked with, ways to like truly have an impact in a new company or you know this new chapter in your life, new company, new career, whatever it may be? What are the things you've seen that make a really good impact off the bat? I would say being comfortable speaking up for yourself, either with your direct manager or in meetings, is a great way to show who you are and that you have a voice. Don't sit in the shadows. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people come into a company and they feel like they have to sort of mind their place, like there's a pecking order. Yes. I say, screw the pecking order. <laughs> you know, if you want to make a name for yourself, you need to try to figure out before you even step foot in that door, what do you want of yourself? Where do you see yourself a month from now, six months from now, a year from now mm -hmm. in that company? And I'm not talking promotability or, you know, job title, that sort of thing, but what sort of impact do you want to make? And who is it that you need to be in front of in order to make that impact? Mm -hmm. I think so many people, they start off as an entry level and they're only thinking sort of day to day or, you know, this is the job that I have to do that's in front of me. Mm -hmm. I would say think bigger. Mm -hmm. You know, if you get in a meeting with anybody that's of any sort of higher ranking, and I'm not talking like the highest ranking person, speak up for yourself. Come with a suggestion. Come with something to the table. Don't feel like you're ever put in a corner. Sure. I think that's one of the things that I have always done well. Mm -hmm. It's strange because as a woman, most women I know have felt sexually harassed or sort of shoved in a corner or that they don't have a voice. I have never felt that way. Not once in my entire career. I'm, I'm very surprised. Yeah. And it's not that I haven't been hit on. Mm -hmm. It's not that I haven't been sexually solicited. <laughs> 
All those things have happened to me, but I don't let people shove me aside. I think that there's a way that you can command a room. I think there's a way that you can command a certain amount of respect without being aggressive or overbearing or bitchy or whatever you know people say about women. To have people understand that you're intelligent, that you deserve to be heard, that you have a voice, that you have something to say, and that you want a seat at the table. Yes. And you don't have to be a C-level executive to have a seat at the table. Correct. If you're at the table, you have a seat at the table. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's, you have to go in with that mindset. It really doesn't matter what position you're in. If you're part of a team, mm-hmm. make a suggestion. Correct. You don't have to be in a meeting with people. You were asking about impact. If you... Presuming you work with a team. I mean, most people have some sort of team interaction. Mm-hmm. Make a suggestion, make a proposal, present it to somebody, come up with something creative. I think there's so many ways to get some proposal in front of someone so that your name is recognized. Correct. I want to talk about risk. Everything you're saying to me, everything that we talked about right before this, mm-hmm. and everything that I've seen, you do not seem to have an issue with risk. Mm-hmm. Has it always been like that? And if not, what was kind of the tipping point that some of us can use in order to mitigate it? Because the risks we take in the military are going to be very different than the risks we take out here, right? But you've been in it, and you're not afraid to take risks. Why is that? I think it's a little bit in my DNA. So people have what they consider superpowers. I do believe resilience is my superpower, although my resilience has been tested as of late, which is a little upsetting to me. (laughs) It'll come back. It'll come back. But I think it's just sort of woven into who I am a bit. I've never been scared of risk. It doesn't mean I'm going to jump off a building. You know, I'm not like a skydiver or anything. But when it comes to business, I guess, or when it comes to my family, no, I'm not fearful in that way. But I am very mindful that that is a unique thing, that that is not the case for everybody. So I manage a lot of people, and most of them do not feel the way I feel. Mm -hmm. So I have to be sensitive to the fact that if I'm in a meeting with them, that I'm observant and that I treat them each completely independently. And I think that's my job as a manager to make sure that everybody is sort of looked at with their own brushstroke and that I'm not putting everybody in the same bucket. Risk is an interesting thing. I mean, I think when I started my first job, to the point I was mentioning before, I knew from the moment I came in that I wanted to be something more. Mm -hmm. And I had an intention. You know, I sort of set this intention. I didn't know what that was going to be, but I knew that I wanted to be something bigger than what I was when I was hired. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm going through right now. I know that I have a bigger calling than my brick and mortar sort of company. Mm -hmm. And I'm facing that right now. How am I going to make that work? How am I going to make a greater impact in other people's lives? What is that going to look like for me? It's not that I don't want to take the risk, but I'm just trying to put those puzzle pieces together to figure out how can I make the greatest impact outside of the four walls of my company? Because I'm not going to do it in my corporate job. Sure. You know. The last thing I wanted to talk about was, you mentioned it, like I've had some personal things. So Mm -hmm. even though your superpower is resilience, it doesn't mean that things don't resurface that are going to test it. And I can relate and a lot of people can relate. And whether you're in this case, whether you're a civilian or military, Mm -hmm. sure. How do you allow yourself the time to be able to process and work through those things while still maintaining responsibility because we talked about it. You still had people who were relying on you. You still have people that you need to rely on. How do you kind of mitigate that in order to make sure you're performing without being so obsessed about performing well and at the same time not completely 
eliminating the fact that you need to process something. Yeah. So I think people need to get rid of the idea of perfection. Perfection is not a reality. It's a false, made-up reality. Mm -hmm. I've never felt real depression. And I sort of shocked myself with this one, with what I've been going through lately. Even though I was in an abusive relationship, I had to deal with my kids on my own when they were little, I was on my own financially, I never felt true sadness and depression You know, a decade ago. Mm -hmm. This one really knocked me off my feet. Mm -hmm. And I had to sit and process and ask myself, well, how am I going, you know, to your point, like how am I gonna actually get out of bed when I don't really wanna get out of bed and work and have people that rely on me, not just my family, but my employees and my company and my clients, and not have to sort of put on this fake face because mm -hmm. it's a lie. I mean, mm -hmm. you can't really put on a show. So I didn't. I didn't really put on a show. I sort of was my true self. If I was really shitty one day, I was shitty one day, you yeah. know? I tried to be as honest with my employer as possible. I did go to my employer and tell them that I was going through some personal struggles. Mm -hmm. Luckily, they asked me, you know, they said, well, what do you need? What do you need from us? What if they didn't say that? I would have said, this is what I need from you. <laughs> Fair enough. That's a and great answer. <laughs> that, it wasn't an option. You know, I didn't have to take disability. It's not like I had to take time off. But if they were not understanding, I would have said to them, this is what I need. And I think that is important to your point. You know, you're not going to have a company that is understanding all the time. Mm -hmm. You have to sit and reflect and say, what do I need to make myself right? Mm -hmm you're not gonna have all the answers. You're not gonna be able to say, it's gonna take me a month or three months or six months. I'm like four months in now, mm -hmm. and I'm not sad anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm sort of past the sadness, but I'm into the state maybe of denial a little bit. So I'm sort of compartmentalizing and I'm able to function a lot better, but it doesn't mean that I'm happy or that I'm joyful. Sure. But I don't need anything for my job necessarily. I'm able to go and work and function just fine mm -hmm. at work. But if I needed to take time off, um, like there were some days I get migraines, for instance, and migraines are brought on by stress sometimes. So I would have to take a day off. So I told them, I said, you know, I might get migraines more often. So I might have to take half days here and there, or I might not be able to get up in the morning. So I was just open with them about my schedule, maybe needing to be a little off. Sure. And I would say they were understanding within reason, but there was always a caveat, like, you know, okay, but we need to make sure that you call us and tell us. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to always necessarily be able to call and tell you if I'm sleeping because I can't, like, you know. So they were understanding, but maybe not as understanding, even in my case. And I'm a C level. Mm -hmm. You know, I should be able to sort of just be trusted. So I can only imagine what it would be like for entry level people. Correct. Way harder, way, way harder. So I think you have to understand, try to understand yourself and say, what is it that I really think that I need in order for me to be within these walls for, you know, eight hours a day? and be able to function properly so that my job is not in jeopardy. Awesome. You know. Well, thank you for your time. Uh, we could find you on LinkedIn. Yes. It's Allison Fisher with yep. one L. With um, one L. And a C. And a C. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. And a C. I really am so grateful for having you on yes, Leadership Yes, thank you Locker, so much. And thank you for everything that you've imparted on the audience, whether they be veterans, civilians, in the military now, whatever it may be. And please contact her if you want on LinkedIn. Uh, you get messages all the yeah, time. You're yeah. inspiring people it. left and I right. And that's it. Thank you for listening to The Leadership Locker. For more about us, how we can serve you, and for other episodes, please visit richcardonamedia.com backslash podcast. If you liked this episode a lot or little, please don't forget to subscribe so that way my guests and I can continue to deliver some heat and get you the knowledge that you want. Don't miss an episode. 
Please join our Facebook group so you get much more exclusive content. Take care.